0: And I believe we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very first Twitter Spaces in Timescale. This is exciting. My name is Carlota. Let me first introduce myself. I am a product marketing manager here at Timescale. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm talking to you from Ventura, California. I'm here with Ajay Kulkarni friedman who are the CEO and CTO of Timescale and the founders of our company. Mike, Aj? thank you so much for being here with us.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you for hosting. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, Ajay, co-founder, CEO, and uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I am also in California.
0: Yay, Kelly.
2: <laughs> and hey, Mike Friedman, he, him, and I am here in sunny New Jersey. Not quite as uh, <laughs> warm as y'all out there in California.
0: <laughs> we well, like New Jersey too, no, no, no hate. <laughs> well, so we're here um, to talk about a lot of things. I'm going to be your MC for today's conversation. But more specifically or, or especially, we are here to kind of celebrate some big news that Timescale announced yesterday. Ajay, can you please tell us which are those news for those listening who may not know what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, happy to. And first of all, I'm looking at the list. I see a lot of familiar faces who are, who are listening in. So, so oh, hello yeah. and good to see you all again. Uh, some very familiar names, actually. So thank you for joining. And some are less familiar, but also thank you for joining. Um, yes, I am thrilled. I mean, really, on behalf of the team to announce our new round of financing that we uh, officially announced yesterday uh, we raised our Series C, uh, uh, led by Tiger, with participation from all our existing investors: um, Benchmark, NEA, Redpoint, Icon, Two Sigma Ventures. Uh, we raised 110 million, um, which is a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of money, but it's really a testament to how much our investors really believe in kind of the vision we're building and how um, kind of the, the traction that we've shown so far, how we've shown kind of our progress towards that vision. You know, we've raised you know 110 million yesterday but totally raised 180 million um, over multiple rounds and um, yeah really thrilled to announce it really it's a team effort so you know a huge thank you to first of all the timescale community uh, our customers uh, a lot of people who are listening right now uh, and of course the wonderful team which right now has uh, I think we've surpassed I think officially it might be we're at 125 you know but definitely over 100 it's we're growing very quickly
0: yeah well and congratulations to you uh, Jake, and to mike we appreciate the mentions to the team but this is just such an exciting moment for you both so congratulations and, and yeah yesterday was indeed such a such a happy day for everybody in timescale i'm i'm smiling now when i'm doing this it's just difficult not to but just a a little bit of a follow-up question for you aj you you mentioned that we have a new investor tiger global just tell us please a little bit more about what's the story behind this um i think in your blog post that that you published yesterday you mentioned that tiger global came to us how this happened tell us more
1: yeah it's a great question but first of all i just want to acknowledge some some really lucky confluence of 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 events where I mean, first of all, you know, timescale, you know, our mascot is a tiger. Uh, we raise money from Tiger Global during the, the year of the tiger, according to the, I think the lunar calendar, the new, lunar new year. So it, it's, uh, it's really exciting to have all these tiger, you know, things kind of coalesce really fortuitously, really luckily. Um, yeah, but a high level. I mean, I think, I think we've been very fortunate to have um, great investors behind us. We have a great business that's been growing very quickly. It's kind of beating expectations every year. And we, we constantly get um, inbound interest from investors. And um, Tiger was one of them. Um, but in particular, it was very clear to start chatting with Tiger how they'd already done their homework. They'd already done their research. Um, they already understood what we were doing. Uh, uh, I talked to some of my peers who had raised money from them uh, recently and in the past, and everyone had really good things to say about them. Um, uh, they moved very quickly, which you know I think as a founder, as, a, as entrepreneurs, is very appealing because you know we have a lot of work to do, and so the more we can get done in a shorter period of time is very exciting. But you know they came to us um, doing their homework; they really bought into the vision. They have a tracker, a record of investing, and really some great data infra companies. And um, really thrilled to have them on board. I mean, the round was oversubscribed, and we had interest from other folks as well. And it's uh, you know I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but um, we're really glad to have them on board. And uh, really, you know, joining what is, I think, an all-star set of investors, starting off with NEA, who led our Series C benchmark in our Series A icon, A1, Redpoint, Series B, Two Sigma that, that participated as well along the way. And I think we're very fortunate to have investors who really get what we're doing, are really big supporters, always push us to think long term, always, you know, we're fully aligned and trying to build a really great business here and thinking long term, not short term. And I'm just thrilled to add Tiger to that list.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can only say that it, this this is kind of like a master plan. I mean, Tiger Global, the Year of the Tiger, <laughs> Eon. Um, anyways, this is yeah, this is like a, a Tiger extravaganza so here. So. Um, Thank you so much for giving us this background on on how the round went. And we're certainly super happy about the news. And we do, we're just going to be celebrating all week. So stay tuned for all the things that we're going to celebrate and all the activities we're going to do. But let's move on a little bit with our conversation, perhaps, because um, I see new faces. And we keep talking about timescale. But I'm realizing that there may be some people listening that, may not be familiar with us and with what we do so maybe a day let's continue with you what is time scale and what would you say is our mission as a company
1: yeah it's a great question so, so time scale in you know, a high level we're building uh, we're building uh, uh really the first and, and kind of leading uh relational database for time series and it, you know, where we started was, you know, we started off, I mean, the history of the company is a long history, but the, the short version that we started off building an IoT company uh, in kind of 2015, 2016, uh, moderately successful, over 100,000 devices we were collecting data from. We needed a time series database to store all this time series data. We used some of some of the leading time series databases. We even tried them for a short period of time. And we found that um, the experience was suboptimal. And we found that what we really wanted wasn't just something for time series. We realized we wanted a relational database for time series, something that combined all of the goodness and reliability and versatility of Postgres, the incredible Postgres ecosystem, um, uh, combined with kind of performance, scalability, kind of the developer experience you'd want for time series. That's what we built. It's really, you know, Postgres for time series has kind of our catch line. But I think what what's we've noticed over time is that, you know, in the beginning, we thought we were building something that was just for IoT, and then we thought, okay, this is bigger than IoT, it's time series. And I think what we realize now is that time series has become ubiquitous. And this problem that the developers have about needing to build new types of mission critical applications of time series have been, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in so many industries, you know, of course, we see things in IoT, like manufacturing and trucking and shipping and logistics and smart home and healthcare. And, you know, there's a long, you know, you know, long tail of IoT use cases. Uh, we also see a new world of kind of Web three and crypto, and there's a huge set of use cases there as we can talk about. Obviously, it's a very exciting area these days. Uh, observability is a big time series use case, but we also have folks using us for marketing tech, ad tech, gaming, music analytics, ML tools, and uh, and I think what we realize is that what these you know these developers need and, and what they've said to us is is not just a you know better. Postgres for time series, but really just a better Postgres. And we found that, you know, people view us as, you know, Postgres for IoT, Postgres for Web3, Postgres for for observability, Postgres for events, Postgres for analytics. And so long story short, you know, we started off building something that we thought was kind of solving a narrow problem. Every year, the problem has gotten bigger and bigger uh, in very exciting ways. And we've kind of learned from our community and from our customers and our users And today we realize that what we're building, it isn't just something that's narrowly for time series. That's kind of where we started, but it's really a better Postgres for these types of time series and analytical and really data-driven applications. And these applications, it isn't just an IoT thing, it's not just an observability thing, not just a Web3 thing, but it's really a type of workload that's becoming omnipresent and kind of ubiquitous and ever-present in, in, in every industry. And, that, and so long story short, and I'll shut up in a second, long story short, <laughs> what we're building a timescale is an X-grade database company, It's an X-grade database company, but really you know, building on top of Postgres and, and, and building this time series analytical uh, use cases as uh, giving back you know, wherever we can back to the community.
2: And well, if I could, stuff, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I could follow up on that. So, you know, Jay, uh, Jay mentioned that, you know, we started as in time series, and then we moved into think about analytics and IOT, and there's kind of two ways that we think about it. You know, we you could think about these as all different, uh, different types of data and, but yet they all, fi- you know, fit under the timescale umbrella or something that we also like to say here at, at timescale is that all data is time series in that, um, you know, what time series means is just, you know, you you have data with a timestamp and you wanna look about how your data changes over time or how your things change over time. And so what's been interesting is that if you look at the narrow segment, you know, Jay said, we started in IoT. If you look at the narrow segment of time series databases, um, those often started for people really focusing on IT observability. And we of course started in, in IoT, and we needed more than just, you know, information about how a CPU changes over time. We wanted to collect the data, but also wanted to collect this relational data side to it that we could filter it and and join it and so forth. And so I think that this is um, really an example of how either you could think of, I like, could just say it's not just about Postgres for time series; it's a better Postgres. But also, we see more and more use cases where what people really need is to, you know, is for developers to be able to uh, analyze their data, to use their data, which often has a time component, and to better kind of understand the world. You know, I think, you know, it was actually one of our uh, engineers, I remember very clearly when he was, like, joining the company, one of the things he said is that what really excited about him was that, you know, time series, like, why would you want a picture when you have a movie, in that, you know, as a as a developer, rather than just keep a snapshot of, of a snapshot of uh, one sample of the world, you can keep this rich history in your database, and that can give you a lot of things, both to build your applications, drive your business, and really just to better understand what you're doing.
1: If, if I can piggyback on that, I, mean, I just love that statement. Like all time data is tied data, and and in particular, um, it, it, in particular. Uh, sorry, it's a little bit of breathing on the call. (laughs) All right, there we go. So, I I, I think all that is time season, and I love that phrase. And, God, if I can tell a story, Carlota, then I don't even think you know. I remember early 2017, I think we were at some conference, it might have been Strata, might have been Percona Live on the West Coast. You know, back then, we hadn't raised 180 million, we were a lot smaller, so we're staying at an Airbnb. I think I was sleeping in a bunk bed, you know, with someone else on the, a real
0: Airbnb
1: on the bottom bunk. Yeah, no, we were really, you know, this is the really early startup days, and and I and I one thing I miss about the conference, you know, the conference circuit is that, you know, the conversations you have in the evenings, and I think we'd all drink a lot of caffeine, and we're just hanging out in the Airbnb, and I remember, I remember Mike, kind of having a, a twinkle and kind of proposing this idea, of like, hey, like is all data time series data? <laughs> like it's, and we're like, wow, it's kind of provocative. And we actually literally pitched, I think it was Percona. I think we literally pitched a talk to the to the Percona organizers during the conference and they slotted us in in an open slot where someone had canceled. And we gave a talk like the next day on that topic. And and, and, it, and it, it seems provocative when you first think about it. Like, wow, is all data time series data? But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because time series is just you know in you know, mathematical terms it's just the the first derivative of your data it's how your data is changing it is essentially saying that hey instead of tracking the, the current state of something i'm going to track every state of something i'm going to track every state of i don't know the location of a truck or the temperature in, in a in a room or the the you know humidity in your farm or something right The soil quality and by tracking that every state you get the trend and you can really see what's happening in real time and understand, you know, maybe what happened in the past, also predict what happens is happening in the future. And we actually believe that the world exists in the time series format. And you may not always want to store your data in a time series way, but when you do, you can just get so much, such higher uh, fidelity, such higher resolution of the data you're capturing. I mean, like, you know, music analytics, you know, we have a major record label uses for music analytics and, and they collect in real time kind of, you know, streaming analytics off of popular sites. They can understand what's happening right now. And, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago, you would have had a billboard, billboard you know, top 10 chart for top 100 chart for the week or the month or something. But now in real time, you can understand, you know, what artists, what songs, what's trending. And it just gives you such better insight on what's happening and making kind of better data driven decisions and really deliver better product and product experiences. So that's really why I love about time series data. And when we say all data is time series data, like, that's what we, what we mean about it.
0: That's exactly right. When um, I can kind of confirm that when I first um, hear, heard the sentence, all data is time series and I was taking out, you know, like timescale blog post back in the day, I was like, wait, what is this? It, it does sound like a little bit extreme when you read it. But then actually, the funny part is that, we've, you know, I'm a product marketing manager, so I do a lot of messaging and I write a lot of things. And then I started myself to have problems explaining what was not time serious data, because it's true when you look at it closely. Right now, what we want to do is you two, to just know know our world better, monitor our things, uh, know what is going to happen. And if you're doing that, you're for sure working with them serious. But moving on uh, a little bit, you, Ajay, you mentioned so many cool topics that I kind of want to double click into, uh, including Postgres and the vision for time scale in the future, but maybe let's just start um, talking a little bit more about the use cases for TimescaleDB since I kind of want to you know, move our conversation from, let's say, the more basics level and then start increasing for those in the audience that are new. So you mentioned, for example, observability and Web3 as two kind of main use cases uh, or, or two big use cases that we're working on a lot now in the company. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about both of, of those use cases. Um, let's let's start with observability, actually, because, I mean, I'm biased. I'm, you know, I, I work a lot with the observability team here at Timescale. And this is just such an interesting, like, an interesting area. It's just booming, you know. And personally, for me, it's just so fun to see how it's is the open source world that they are the open source tools, the ones that are really changing the game here. Like Kubernetes, Prometheus, Open Telemetry, all the things. But what I wanted to ask you specifically is that precisely because this is just a booming field, it's it's very crowded. There are so many tools already. So what do we have to offer to developers in the observability space? What is Timescale offering? developers specifically that they kind of get somewhere else already in in the observability market
1: uh, that is a really good question that is a, is a fantastic question and I think observability is mean, very interesting you know when we think about use cases and areas to kind of build for um, we think very organically we think organically from like hey what what problems you know can we solve what's the intersection of problems that we can solve well and and that people are kind of asking us to solve as, as well and observability for a long time was something where it was kind of an inaccessible market to us, to be honest. You know, I think in the early days of timescale, before we had compression, we had a really large storage footprint. And one of the kind of core requirements for observability is that, you know, you have a lot of data and you need compression. And so for a long time, we actually shied away from observability market. we focused on areas that had, you know, we kind of think about, you know, two types of time series workflows. There are workflows that have, you know, maybe... You know, high volume but but low uh, shelf life data, and you, know, you know, and high shelf life, and, and we kind of we kind of focus on the IoT use cases and the finance use cases. But what ended up happening? A couple of things happened. Number one is that um, we kept getting pulled into Prometheus metrics type use cases by the community, and I think even internally, some engineers in the team, just for internal reasons, built. I think the first, I think. Postgres, I think, connector for Prometheus, I think PG Prometheus, um, and uh, and so it was always in the back of our mind, but, you know, for the longest time, I was a big proponent of kind of avoiding the preservability market. Now, we launched Native Compression in 20, I think it was 2019, and when we launched Native Compression, it was, it, honestly, it was something that we weren't sure we could, you know, we could really solve, and we had this amazing engineering team. And they solved it in a really novel way that kind of blew us away and really employing best-in-class algorithms to build columnar-type compression into database. And now we're seeing 90, sometimes 96% compression. And all of a sudden, that made observability, in particular, an accessible market. And so, and so then again, it was essentially engineering-led, where it is an engineering team internally led by one of our first employees in particular, uh, matt uh who uh decided to kind of really build a first class experience for the observability problem and then last year we added uh ramon uh to kind of head up the effort from a kind of product perspective join us from new relic long story short you know we we observability we kind of got pulled into the market by the community and, and as soon as we built built out compression we decided to kind of, kind of go all in and build a first class experience and that's what we built prom scale what prom scale is is that it's a Unified backend is for observability powered by SQL and powered by SQL and timescale. And what the team has done is build not just a first class experience for Prometheus metrics, but now also for open telemetry uh, and traces. Uh, and uh, and I think logs are coming soon. And so I think the market is very crowded. And But what I think what we found is there are a lot of uh, developers out there who really want the flexibility of SQL, um, which is incredibly, you know, versus universal language and they want the kind of the performance and the ability to kind of contextualize your traces with your metrics and really, really see what's happening. Uh, and, uh, and the thing we like to say is with PromScale, with a unified backend for observability powered by SQL, what you can do is really ask any question. You can ask literally any question of your data and you're really limited by it. And that's what the team is building. And, and I'm really thrilled that we have such a focused effort around now really, really uh, being worked on by such a great team.
2: And if I could uh, maybe add the thing about that is that you know, Jay is talking about a unified uh, backend and a unified platform. And so it, it one of the interesting things is where does that unification happen? So if you look at a lot of the players in the observability market, what they're actually kind of offering or selling, they t- many talk about a single pane of glass. But what they're actually doing is there's a unified UI but behind the UI are very kind of separate storage systems. They might build one storage system for metrics, build the second one for logs, build one for traces. And so you might not see that if you're using their UI. But what that ultimately means is that you're kind of limited in how you could, the only thing you could do is what the UI allows you to do. Because in the end, the data is set is stored in siloed systems. So kind of all of that. Unification of data is happening purely through the UI, but with Timescale, one of the interesting things is because we actually have a unified storage system as a unified, you know, you know, GUI. Uh, a couple of things: on that. one is it's really developer focused as opposed to just end user focus, right? And by developer focused, that means you could take any type of user interface you want that could speak. PromQL or SQL and speak to it. It also means you could build applications on top of it. But the really cool thing is, you're not limited to what you could ask it. What you know, the people who developed the UI uh, allowed you to do. Really, you have all the data, and you could, you know, query it. You could join it. You could do lots of different things. So actually, some of the really cool stuff that. Um, our observability team prom scale team has just been showing well, they could take for example tracing data and combine it with tricks or combine it with information about uh the network in real the the system in real time and be able to kind of dynamic uh, information about all the resources available you know involved with a certain trace and again that all emerges because the fact that we have this unified storage system which which most vendors who who Offer a SaaS UI don't actually have.
0: It is really really cool. What what happens that what happens to me with prom scale is that it's one of these things that when you explain it, it sounds like too obvious for it to not be the the, the, the standard. That doesn't make sense. Like why? Why wouldn't you not want to put your observability data into a relational database? And as you explain, Mike, have it be able to cross analyze and query it with SQL as you do with your. Like with any other of data that you have stored. So, it's, th- this is such a good story of something that came out organically that people were starting to, as, as Ajay was explaining, just store some Prometheus metrics and to yeah. just manage how to store into Postgres and TimescaleDB. And we were like, damn, this is, this is, this is we're into <laughs> something here. Let's make this better. Yeah. So it's,
1: and I think what's really fascinating about observability is that I think it's like when we build Timescale. Every time series database, maybe with the exception of KDB, but every other time series database, you know, was focused on observability. It was R&D tool, Graphite, Influx, you know, uh, OpenTSDB. Later, you had things like uh, Prometheus and DB and some others. And I think what's really fascinating is that to a big segment, segment of the developer community, they just think of time series as metrics for observability. And I think what's been fascinating for us, I feel like there's such a limiting view of the world that like time series is is so much more than metrics. It, it's like everything can be stored in the time series way. And observability, again, it's like for some companies, it's time series companies, it's their whole business. But for other time series companies like us, I mean, you know, it's it's such a it's a it's a segment of our business. But we also have a ton of IoT data, and now more recently, it's. It's Web3 and crypto, which I think it's also a super exciting area that I think people don't realize is time series. And we think about it like the blockchain is an immutable time series database. <laughs> you know? Like it's not not as performant as something as time scale. But, you know, obviously that's not the reason people use the blockchain. But but yeah, so I think time series is ubiquitous and, and it's really in so many different use cases. And and I think what we build with time scale is something that isn't just like a metric store, like you get with some other like observability databases but really something that's really versatile it can store any data type uh, and really gives you the full power of postgres and sql
0: that's fantastic yes yeah, i i like to think about it as observability data is time series data and not the opposite but since you mentioned web3 let's let's move on to that this is another juicy interesting big use case for them skill what i wanted to ask you about this first and then we can just move on the conversation about this 2v1 is, I mean, th- th- this is an incredible, incredible field that is just revolutionizing just songs and technology. It's just obvious to everybody listening, but it also comes with a little bit of controversy sometimes. So I wanted to ask you particularly, I'm, I'm interested in what you both have to say about this. How do we see ourselves as players in, in the Web3 space? And, and then and apart from that, maybe you can also talk about our technology specifically and and why do we think that tempSQDB can be a really good choice for Web3 developers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean first, I, mean, I think you're totally right. I mean, I think Web3 crypto, like I'm a huge uh, fan of it, but I think it's worth acknowledging that it's a space with controversy. Um, it's definitely a space with some questionable some projects are questionable, and there are probably some things in there that are not that are kind of nefarious in nature. Um, but I think, but I think it's probably like a, a growth phase that we're going through. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of this segment in general for the long term. Um, I think with web three and, um, in crypto in particular, we see such a variety of use cases. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll describe a few, but then I'll kind of defer to Mike, but I think the use cases we see, some are pretty obvious that you expect, you know, for example, companies like Masari who are, who are building out, um, you know, really kind of trading interfaces, you know, or kind of price interfaces to track, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, token prices in real time. Um, There's some that are, but I think that are less obvious. You know, we have companies uh, like uh, like Hero and maybe Protocol Labs are using us for kind of more blockchain observability, kind of monitoring and exploration. Uh, have some other folks who use us for NFT data analysis, and and the team here is both really great. NFT starter kit and so have our own kind of Eon NFTs. Um, but it, it, it is a fascinating space and I think I'm really excited to see what what the space, what we get from the space in the years to come.
2: Yeah, if I could you know add one great example. I think you know Jay mentioned blockchain observability. We were just on the topic of observability where I think about you know IT resources. But if you're a chain company or, or if you're an, an NFU, or if you're an end user who runs a full node in the blockchain, you actually want to see, you know, how healthy is your chain? Are your transactions getting cleared? Are you caught up? Are you on the latest fork? And so part of, you know, blockchain observability means much more than just, you know, CPU and memory. I think it's also interesting. It talks about the breadth of thinking about time series. When we normally think of, of, of time series, we might think of, you know, wall clock time, what we you know call and distribute. This is this. if you look at your watch, what time is it in the real world? Well, one of the concepts of time in the blockchain is block height. You know, which block are you on the blockchain? And you could totally store the block height as basically the so-called time field in a timescale hypertable. And so you could then query it by block height. You could do our chunk exclusion works, our continuous AGs work. And so we, I think it talks about how we just went through and talked about all, you know, all data's time series. It actually turns out to be that there's, you know, different notions of time than even wall clock time, and, and, like and time scale I could work for them time. as well. Yeah, it's very meta, right? Where heck, <laughs> you know, I don't know about the world where the whole world operates in the blockchain height, but you know, such as it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, just so many so, so many interesting things coming from Web3. I, I can't wait to see everything that, that, that happens here and all the work that we do. Um, if, if you let me move away from this fascinating topic, though, for a little bit, since we I, there's some things I really want us to talk about before we run out of time. And one of these things is something that you did mention mentioned sorry, excuse me, um, in the beginning when, when you were timescale, you you talked a lot about Postgres. And I wanted to ask this to you, Mike, actually, because this is something that I heard you talk about often in, in our blog posts and in other places how it was a foundational um, decision early on in the company to build TimescaleDB on top of Postgres. Can you please expand a little bit of that? How how has your experience been now that a few years have passed? Has this really helped them grow? How has that been?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say it's been a, obviously a great... Uh, I think it was a great decision at the time and a great choice. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the Postgres community like to talk about Postgres as not just a database, but a, a data platform. Uh, and in many ways, that's um, what it's enabled for us. You know you know maybe more than a decade ago, Postgres decided to open up an extension framework, which was you know when sometimes when you use the word plugins or extensions, it it's not clear what that means. You might think of a browser extensions where you write a little bit of JavaScript and put in your browser. For Postgres, that means that the core source code, you know low level C source code, has a bunch of kind of function hooks that it exposes such that if you're an extension author, you're still writing low-level code in C, you have to worry about memory contexts, you have to, you know, you're running in the same uh, memory space as the rest of, uh, and in the same processes as the rest of the database, but you kind of have hooks throughout the database and you could kind of inject yourself to process requests in a certain way. And that was one of the ways that we did it, which was, um, you know, when we, we created this notion of a hyper table and one of the ideas with was time series, it's it's kind of lots of it and it's continuous. So we want to give users the illusion of one giant table, but we could have, you know, these individual tables. I think now some community members have told us that they have a hyper table with trillions of rows and yet they could query it like it's 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 nothing else. And over time, what's been interesting is that we've actually been able to kind of leverage even the expansion of the extension model in Postgres to do more and more kind of, kind of cool and advanced things. One of the things that the team is particularly excited about right now is in some of the latest versions of Postgres, PG-14, more about PG-15. It's actually opening up what is called the table access method. A lot of um, our work before was in kind of new intermediate data structures wasn't query optimizations and this is sometimes with the compression that a j said is the team with the engineering team was super clever even though we didn't change the lowest level storage engine which allowed us to continue to rely on all of the reliability of 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 um posts built in storage um we were able to kind of do this um uh, columnar style even though. At a low level, it still kind of looks like uh, rows with uh, these kind of columnar pro- uh, projections stored in external. They're, so, they're called Toast tables in Postgres. But now as Postgres 15, 14 and 15 continues to open up further APIs, it's allowing the team to start again rethinking how we want to build the future of, of, uh, of time series data and time scale Kind of on this uh, data platform
0: yeah something super cool to see or, or that that we hear often from users is that they never thought that you could do what you managed to do what the timescale deal managed to do with a relational database and with Postgres specifically so it's, it's so interesting to hear how you how you talk about it and how people ended up using uh something that will build on top of such a strong foundation like Postgres is but I, I think that a mandatory follow-up question for this conversation, Mike, is, we, we talk about how, how beneficial it has been for us to build on top of, of Postgres to leverage all this, this fantastic tool and all the experience from the team and all the, the ecosystem and so on. So how are we planning to contribute back to the Postgres community to be a fair open source player?
1: I I can I can actually handle this one. So I I mean, number one, we're huge fans of Postgres from the beginning. You know, I think it's incredible that the, despite being I don't know what the official age is twenty five years, thirty years or more for Postgres, but you know today it 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 has probably more momentum than it's ever had. You know, Postgres is the fastest growing database, and it's really a testament to the hard work by the Postgres core kind of developer community, and so really. Shout out to them for such dedicated work to building such a great, reliable, and versatile database um, that's released to the test of time. Um, we've often you know, looked for ways to give back to Postgres. You know, When we were a lot smaller, it was a lot harder. We didn't have as many resources to do it. Um, but, uh, but we found ways, and I think we're finding ways more now. So I think, you know, number one, you know, one, of the, one of the features of Postgres is this idea of an extension framework that allows people to build on top of Postgres, add features, that essentially allow you to extend postgres without actually you know slowing down writing complexity to core development and and often you see you know projects like PostGIS, you know taking advantage of that framework to add new uh, data types or kind of uh or kind of functions um what we've done is really taken advantage of the postgres extension framework uh, extends to me to actually do a lot more and really build kind of a radically better database but for these time series analytical use cases and uh and the core of DB is open source, and so so that's number one. That's how we're giving back um, over the years. That we've also, uh, you know, sponsored uh, you know, conferences and different organizations. You know, use a lot of our funding to kind of support you know the Postgres community. Um, I believe people on the team uh, have found kind of I think you know at least one case I can remember like a security gap in Postgres, and they've kind of submitted patches. Uh, we've had other patches got merged. And what I'm excited now is that, you know, with this Series C, now they raised 110 million and, and Timescale reached, you know, billion dollars in, in valuation. You know, we can actually use more of our resources to give back to Postgres, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to announce that we're actually building a full-time, you know, a Postgres contributor team. And we already have it kind of spec'd out. We have someone leading the team and there's an open rack on the website. Uh, I think it's also my Twitter feed. Um, and so please, if people are interested in working on Postgres, you know, please apply. Um, but, but we're such a huge fan of the Postgres community. You know, we, um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the power of Postgres and the future of Postgres. And we're constantly looking for ways and new ways to give back.
0: We are so excited to see within the team uh, how how all of this unfolds. It's just so fun to see. And yeah, just a reminder to everybody listening that maybe into Postgres, we are hiring for this team. We are hiring for many teams. So please check out our careers page online. And yeah, if you want to come to an amazing company and work on a great project like Postgres uh, and be paid for it, please be our guest. We, we will be happy to have you. Um, before we move on into maybe talking a little bit more about the future of timescale, I realize that there's one use case that has been mentioned a lot, but I forgot to kind of... Double check on it, and to to tell us to, to sorry to ask you to expand a little bit more on it, and that's IoT. EJ, is there something you wanna tell those listening about using TimescaleDB for IoT use cases?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great it's it's a great point. I think IoT is 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 one of our core use cases. Um, I think what's fascinating about IoT is we actually get, guest authored a post on TechCrunch maybe in 2015 or 2016 where the title was like, there is no IOT. <laughs> One of the fastings of IOT is that the term exists, but it, it it kind of encompasses such a wide range of use cases. Uh, like some of the ones I mentioned before, manufacturing, shipping, tr- trucking, logistics, healthcare, smart home, um, uh, so many use cases, smart agriculture. And I think what's fascinating about IOT is that it's really is not like an industry, a unified industry like observability, or unified use case like, like observability or even Web3 or crypto, but it's more like a trend. And it's this trend that computing is getting so small and so powerful that, you know, maybe in the past computers were the size of a room, you know, and, and more recently, computers were this thing that sat on your desk and and, and then the computers are this thing that were in your pocket. Right. But now with IOT computers are getting embedded in everything around us. They're kind of getting surrounded by computing. And I find that so exciting because you have ubiquitous computing. And, um, and I think with IOT is, you know, that's what we see with timescale. You know, we have customers who use us for, you know, tracking their trucks in real time to help optimize routes and reduce, uh, thefts. We have companies who use us for manufacturing to manufacture their production line. Um, uh, and, and in real time, as well, and we have companies who say, "Hey, like when timescale goes down, it has a real impact on their bottom line because it just, it, it kind of affects their manufacturing line." Uh, we have other folks, you know, smart agriculture is a big area for us, uh, you know, and people who use, you know, sensors to help farmers fight climate change to, and and really grow, uh, you know, increase their crop yield and crop yield. It could be, you know, fo- you know, fo- folks who are, you know, growing, you know, grapes for for uh, for wine, you know, there's the growing cannabis industry, and there's also more traditional agriculture. And I, I think what, what's fascinating about IoT is that you just see so many innovative use cases, like so many people think that IoT is one specific thing, but, you know, we have a customer who who makes devices ever active that don't even have batteries. <laughs> like these <laughs>
0: are,
1: these are, ba- these are devices that harvest kinetic energy, and it's so fascinating. And, and so I love IoT. And, and it's so interesting that like technologies go through this hype cycle where 2015, 2016, all you heard about was IoT, IoT, IoT. And today, you don't hear about it. But I think it's even bigger than it was back then. And the companies who've kind of stood the test of time are building these amazing businesses. And I'm just so proud that that we're able to uh, kind of be a part of, of kind of what they're building and, and that they've been trusting us, you know, what their data and their workloads.
0: Yeah, perhaps what happens with IoT is a little bit like time serious that once you start looking into it, everything is IoT. So now it has like become like a little bit ubiquitous too. But yeah, I agree. It's indeed a fascinating world, the one we're living in right now. Let's let's now move on and start talking a little bit about the future of TimeScale and, and the future of everything that we're building. So you said uh, earlier, today that we want to build the next database company. And also in the blog post that we published yesterday that I recommend everyone in the audience to check out, you mentioned something very exciting, which is uh, that we're also building a developer data platform. So Mike, perhaps this is a question for you. What do you mean by a developer data platform? I think we get the next database company part better, but what, what is this? What do we mean by that?
2: Yeah, and I think this is kind of related to trends we see about how developers adopt technology. And that's certainly been, you know, the move to the cloud and managed services. You know, one of the kind of really exciting, interesting things about timescale is the way we've kind of decided to build our business, which is that we make our database completely free to use. And our business is based around um, timescale cloud and a managed um, offering uh, of TimescaleDB, uh, if if anybody in the audience is you know broadly interested in kind of open source business models, Jay also has some great posts about how we think about that, kind of how we've even done some licensing that allows you know TimescaleDB all of TimescaleDB. We don't have an enterprise version. All of TimescaleDB is is free for anybody in the community to use. Kind of we just put in some restrictions, such that like if you're Amazon, you know you can't offer all of timescale <laughs> as part of, uh, as part of uh, AWS, RDS, for example. Um, but lots of people embed it as part of their own SaaS services. But what we meant by a developer platform is when you think about now running uh, a database in the cloud, we've called these DBAs for a while. And for most things, it's kind of been this uh, evolution from you run your database on bare metal to you run your database in a VM to somebody else runs your database and handle some like, you know, upgrades to they start taking over backup and restore and, and more things, you know, but we ultimately think that if you think from the user's perspective, the users only running a single database, they're basically building applications and often if you think about kind of modern microservice architectures complex architectures it's not just about one database you'd often have many databases and even if you think about one database there's a life cycle to it you you start with dev you put something on staging you it goes up to prod you have ci cd pipelines and so when we think about you know what does it mean to have a developer platform for databases it's not just about running a single instance for us managing a single instance of timescaledb for you it's about how do you allow us to basically how do you entrust us with in some sense your database backend which you know might have many instances of them when you want to manage them as an entire fleet and even allow them to share data between them and so that's actually where a lot of our thinking is going not only how do we develop an individual time scale they be to be kind of the modern Postgres for time series data analytics and whatever, but how do we actually provide this managed experience that allows you to entrust us with all, you know, all of the analytical data and the entire life cycle of that data um, for your applications?
1: This problem is just so big. I mean, I think Mike covers it really well. It's just so big that, you know, it's. It, God, today, like you realize that, you know, every company, like I find it so fascinating, every company today is either becoming a software company or is getting replaced by a software company. And you see this where you have like, for example, in media, you have companies like Netflix, which is totally disrupting, you know, obviously online video and they're a software company. And then you have Disney, which is slowly reinventing itself into a software company with Disney plus. And it's so fascinating that like, you know, if you don't become a software company, replaced by a software company. And software companies are built by developers and they're built up by developers on top of great databases. And one thing we find today, we look at the world is that there's so many still big data related problems that need to be solved. And every year with timescale, we realize that our opportunity is to solve so many of these problems. Like in the beginning, we thought it was time series and now time series and Postgres and soon analytics and, and, and so many more areas and, and especially with the cloud, you know, some of the, you know, uh, what is describing about building a really great cloud platform. Uh, I feel like in the early days, I don't think people fully appreciate how early the industry is. And when we look at our future, we see, look, there are, there are some foundational data platforms today. You know, you have snowflake for one for data analysts, you have data breaks for another for data scientists. And of course those lines are blurring, but that's maybe the simplistic way to describe it. And, uh, and we're building a data platform for developers and 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 by doing so by building a great and we're doing so by building a great product experience for postgres for time series and for these analytical and data driven applications uh, and in doing so uh, that's how we build the next great database company and so we're still in the early days you know we've made a lot of progress but this is also why you know <laughs> I always like to say, hey, like a long ways, but we're just getting started because the, the work we have ahead of us is so exciting. It's so big. And and we're making so such great progress on it. You know, I can't wait to share. I can't wait to share more in the kind of the month
0: Yeah, indeed. This is the year of the tiger, but maybe it's also a year <laughs> of the developer, right? Yeah. Um, This is a wonderful vision. It's very inspiring to hear, and it it reminded me of a blog post that perhaps the audience wants to check out. Um, I don't remember the exact title, but it's it's something about something like announcing Timescale Cloud, and this is a blog post that you, Mike, authored, and and it it explains this vision a little bit, uh, and I (laughs) I think that people might find this interesting to read. Yeah, that's great. I think we could share
2: that in the. I don't know if I could say show notes. It sounds so professional, yeah, I was, but I think get shared in the to show say notes.
0: like that too, <laughs> but I stopped myself. <laughs> but for whoever you be curious person is working in the show notes, please send the announcement blog for Cloud there. Now that we've covered a lot about, let's say, our technology, and what we're building, and a little bit of our vision maybe let's spend just five minutes talking about a little bit as a company kind of kind of inwards i specifically wanted to ask you or or, or talk a little bit about our culture because well, as i said already we're hiring and this is something that people are interested in learning in hearing about and i wanted to get the opportunity that we are speaking uh, to say that well i'm clearly biased because <laughs> i'm from i'm here in the team but it's, it's very true that Timescale has managed to build a very unique culture. I, I really feel that as cheesy as it sounds, everybody has my back in this team. But I wanted to give you the chance to talk about it as, as founders, as you have a different perspective than we have in the team. So what's your take on on our culture? What's your favorite thing about it? What what makes you most proud about it?
1: I am so proud of our culture. I'm so proud of our people you know, I'm a big believer in that. You know, who you work with, I think, matters more than what you work on. <laughs> you know, and I and I am so proud of the team we built at Timescale. You know, I think number one, you know, when we think about our culture, we always, you know, our, our first requirements are people who are kind of high quality and high output, high quality people, really smart people, but also high quality in terms of ethics uh, and high output, work really hard. I mean, people may not know this, Carlota, but about you, but you know, you have I think, what, a PhD in nuclear fusion, material on, science, fluid <laughs> dynamics. I mean, it's amazing. And people don't realize it, but, like, number one, like, you're a great example of someone who's just, like, so smart. <laughs> you know, like, it's so Come great. On. And, and, and then we have, but, the, but that's just half of it, right? And the other half is is we want people who are also humble and helpful, you know, like, the key is to be really smart, but not act like you're really smart. You know, be, uh, is be really smart, but still have like a student mindset and a help first mentality. And I think we've built such a great team as a result of people who are just like, just such great people, so collaborative, really smart, really hardworking, but also humble and helpful. And I think all the great work we're doing flows from that. I think our, our culture gets better every year. Um, I think one thing that started happening, I think this year and last year, as people started applying, you know, I had, I had engineers say to me during the engineering process that like, look, like I knew you all were smart because I follow you, I use your product, I use timescale. But like, I didn't realize how nice everyone was. I and mean, we built such a nice culture that just, I, I love it. So I, I think our, our culture is one of our, our strongest, you know, it's probably our, our the, the best part about timescale. I think the people is the best part about timescale um we're also i should also add that we are fully distributed so we have over 100 people but in like 20 plus countries every continent except for antarctica so we're in six continents and as a result we built a really great diverse team as well very multicultural and i i love that as well i'm I'm again a huge student of of the world and i love learning about different holidays and traditions and, and different parts of the world and different cultures and yeah i mean i can't hopefully you can tell from my energy like i can't say enough good things about our culture and and, if, and i have to also add that look if this is the type of culture like you want to be on like you should apply for timescale because we're hiring across the board uh timescale.com i think uh, you know i think is it slash careers maybe you can post in the show notes but it's it's such a god we're growing so quickly and uh i, I just love our team
0: yeah, now that you're talking about, um, I mean, distributed teams and remote work, I mean, this is such a huge part of how we work in Timescale. Um, it is it is so, so fun, honestly, to be able to work with people from all over the world and just log in and see people working there no matter which hour it is. It's just like a big family distributed all over the place. But something I, I specifically wanted to ask you about this, uh, this issue, actually, because of this topic... Because, I mean, I absolutely love remote work. I'm sure many people in the audience, too, has no plans uh, to go back to any office anytime soon. But it is true that it can also be a little bit challenging sometimes. So I wanted to ask you, perhaps, Mike, this is especially relevant for you since you're the CTO. What, what, what advice would you give to other founders that are looking to create like a productive remote work environment, some some workflow, some what's, what what advice would would you give others that are kind of struggling with this a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think there's two things. So for everybody else, but we used to actually have, uh, you know, an an office in New York City. And at the time, I think we had maybe 40% of the company was based in New York. um, Although it was probably engineering was, was more uh, spread out than some other areas. Um, You know, when the pandemic hit, we kind of actually Uh, Actually closed the office and we went fully remote. And in fact, so much hiring since then has been all over the world. Um, But I think that it actually has served us better. That you know, it's one of the one of the things I think that has allowed us to be successful. And advice I would give is really to go all in on it, because I think the advantage of all in on it is it forces you to kind of develop those muscles to develop the processes and practices of of dealing with kind of asynchronous communication and and a written culture, um, and knowing how to efficiently use the technology. Because if you have hybrid, if you have some office and some remote, it actually constantly puts part of the team at a disadvantage. And when there's this unspoken and unwritten down discussions and just being made in an office, when the people are remote, they're not part of that. And I think that really doesn't allow them to kind of be a as equal the same part of the company. The other thing I would just add is I, I think what's been really exciting about timescale, you know, sometimes people are remote. They're like, you know, I'm here in New Jersey. So it's remote. Yeah. We have a couple of people near Boston, a couple people in New York, but they fundamentally are still all operating in the same time zone. And so what happens is they basically adopt, you know, the office hours, just, they might be working from home. And when you're a global company like timescale is, um, one that's certainly good from just a support and kind of an operations and an ops perspective is that you could really easily, you know, this is speaking as now kind of on the technical side, kind of develop a follow the sun model, but it kind of forces you as a company to know that you're going to have people at at all time zones. And and I think especially going through the pandemic, I think one of the really nice parts about that is we we kind of had to recognize and we realized that, and I think this is coming out of the pandemic as well, that People, you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance, but I think that means something differently to every individual and, you know, what it means for a work-life balance of somebody, you know, who's still young and single and wants to go out and somebody who has, um, you know, kids at home and might be because of of their partner's job, might be, you know, the person who is at home and and watching the kids, um, you know, kids go back to school, but now they occasionally get quarantined because of uh, COVID exposures. And so I think that the fact that we operate on these time zones mean that as a company, we could be incredibly nimble to what each individual needs, and I think have become very, and are naturally very supportive of that. I think that has been a big, at least what i have heard from a lot of timescalers, that has been a you know a big win for everybody. Yeah, I
0: subscribe. It's, it's very something that people sometimes don't, Or it's not as evident for people that are not used to working in a remote work environment that actually works, that is actually productive, that that the advantage is that the work and that like, like it it can adapt to you too, you know, it's like this freedom, this relationship with when do you work and, and, and if you have the correct processes, this can also be extremely productive and very pleasant for, for both parties. So we're almost over time. We're like kind of reaching the end of our conversation, but I really, really didn't want us to finish before asking you just a little bit like, like, a founder story like we love those right like i just give us a three minute version please of of your own journey as founders how how do you guys meet uh and how did you start to how you did did you decide to start timescale
1: uh, i mean god how much time do we have <laughs> i mean mike mike and i We've known each other since the fall of 1997, so that is almost exa- almost 25 years. Uh, we met the first week of college at MIT. I literally, Mike is one of those people where I literally remember the moment we met because it was at like, I think, parents weekend at MIT, and it literally, me and my parents were sitting across the lunch table from Mike and his parents, and we just all hit it off. And over those years, Mike and I became roommates. I think we ran the Boston Marathon together. We both studied computer science. Uh, I noticed that Mike always got better grades than I did in the classes we took <laughs> together. And, and uh, you know, we stayed in touch over the years and both lived in New York and California around the same time. Uh, and, um, you know, I think I've helped him move out of, of out of an apartment. I think he helped me move a mattress. I mean, like, we've known for such a long time. And, you know, I think what essentially happened is we took these parallel tracks after college where... You know, you know, you know, Mike went into academia and got his PhD from NYU and Stanford post MIT uh, and then became a professor of computer science at Princeton and got tenure right in his 30s. Right. And and then I went into industry, became uh, kind of a product manager, uh, a developer, then product manager at tech companies, and then uh, went back to MIT, got my MBA, started a company that was then acquired by eventually by Microsoft. And then we teamed up again to, to kind of you know to take another big challenge, and that led us to to timescale. And and I think what's really really been fascinating about working with someone like Mike is, like, like I feel like again like who you work with matters so much, and and I think trust is I think is paramount to any type of productive relationship. And I've known him for such a long time, and and I'm sure he said the same thing about me where. I know the things about him that i like and i know the things about him that i might find annoying <laughs> and i'm sure the things about me that he that he finds he finds annoying <laughs> and and we we know how to work around it, it it's, it's just it's, it's been so great and, and uh god I, i'm so happy to be on this journey with him uh you know it's been so long and more years to come and and we talked about the time skill story but i think Mike and I have also grown, I think, as founders and as leaders over the years, and and I think, um, yeah, and I think the key is just like, you know, to to, to have this this open direct communication. And it doesn't mean we don't have conflict, but when we do have conflict, we talk about it and we move on. And I think it, that's that's the foundation of a healthy relationship, and it's it's just been such such a great joy (laughs) you know working with Mike hopefully this isn't getting to you and I'm hopefully not embarrassing Mike
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's been great
0: (laughs) thank you so much I think this is the place to end it cheers to long friendships And to everything that's to come, Uh, we are very excited for 2022, the year of the tiger. Thank you so much, Mike and Ajay, for being here. This is history in the making, our very first two-year spaces. So, how was the experience? I had fun.
2: Uh, This has been great, great, Carlotta. (laughs) Yeah, you're
1: you're you're a professional. Well, so that was (laughs) that was the
0: wrong answer because we're gonna do a lot more. (laughs) No, thank you to everyone. to yeah, everyone th- that was listening to thank
1: you for Carlota for hosting thank you for everyone behind the scenes who kind of helped put this together um thank you everyone who joined in uh, and uh, if if folks want to hear more of this you know if people have feedback or additional questions please let us know we're very open we're, you know we'd love feedback uh, and um, no thank you for joining us
0: yes please reach out to us uh, we have an awesome community slack that you can find us there all day, basically. It's on slack.timescale.com, so please join us. And also, one more thing before we leave. I swear, I wanted to remind everybody that we're hosting, actually, an event on March 31st, Timescale Community Day. Yay! And in this edition, we are actually um, accepting proposals for talks. So if you have a cool project that you're building with TimescaleDB or, or with Postgres or something that you would love to showcase, please just, just check us out. You will find us in Google easily and send us a proposal. And we would love to have you uh, just present your project with us on March 31st. So I think the proposal page is still going to be open another week. So yeah, check it out, please. And have a very nice rest of the day, whatever you are in the world. And see you around soon. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank you.